the Binge Eating Dietitian podcast. My name is Jo, I'm a registered dietitian, and my purpose here is smashing binge eating. I hope you're having a good week so far. How are things going with your binge eating? Please do let me know. You can email me at any time. My email address is joe at antidietanswers.com. In today's episode, I am bringing you an interview with Amy Snelling. Amy is a personal trainer, but she's unlike any personal trainer that you've met before. Amy turns the world of PT on its head. And as I say in the interview with her, I thought that all PTs work from a a weight-centric, fat-phobic place, but apparently that's not the case. Amy has opened my eyes to what it actually means to be a personal trainer when you take away that layer of weight loss. When you take weight loss away, what's left? I'm going to jump to that in just a second, but before I do so, I have to let you know that you know I'm here smashing binge eating every single day. And if you're ready to take that next step towards actually getting over binge eating, actually taking those steps to recover from binge eating, get to a place where your binges become more distant, where you're not binging multiple times a day or every day, if that's you right now, I'm your gal. Go to the link in the show notes. I have linked there my Smash Your Binge Eating program where I help you to get over binge eating, where I help you take those first steps towards your future without binge eating. We meet every two weeks, so sign up now and I'll see you this Thursday where we're having a discussion all about managing binge eating in the darker months, in the winter months, when the days become shorter, the nights become longer, and you are even more isolated because you don't have as many social plans. You're not doing as much with your friends and family that you would do during the summer. I don't want you to go through the winter alone. It is the hardest time of year to struggle with binge eating. So if you want to be with me every two weeks for the next six months, then my Smash Your Binge Eating program is for you. All right, without further ado, let's get into the conversation with Miss Amy Snelling. Here we go. How are you feeling right now? Do you do many podcasts? Are you guys <laughs> off on a podcast? <laughs> I've done a couple. I was actually on the last podcast that I did, I was actually saying that I feel like people don't ask me to do things like podcasts. So that I was and then I questioned whether I was unapproachable online and that's why people didn't ask me to do anything. <laughs> but I'm sure that's not they the the other hosts of the podcast assured me that that was not the case. It was um that I give off that sort of like I'm busy kind of um, vibe, not that I'm unapproachable, but maybe it's a little bit of both. So could you tell us like a little bit about you and like how you came to be a personal trainer in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I'm Amy. I'm I'm currently a personal trainer. I've got like a couple of areas that I specialize in, although I don't really like the word specialize. Um, It makes me feel like I'm being a bit sort of shouty and egotistic, but um, pre and postnatal is one of the areas that I cover a lot on my sort of social media and um, injury, pain, um, skill development. So just helping people get better at things that they want to get better at. And just, I think the biggest thing that I help my clients with is probably just fostering that better relationship with exercise. So helping them to form the habits that they want in their life. Um, 
and helping them to feel the way that they want to feel around exercise. That's probably one of the like most consistent themes that runs through all of um, all of the work that I do with my clients. And a little bit of relationship with food comes in there as well, but just in my scope of practice, which is quite limited as a personal trainer. But um, I've been a personal trainer for four years. Before that, I was a primary school teacher for a number of years. And it was when I was teaching that I was doing my own sort of like fitness diet journey um, following very problematic advice online. And when I sort of came out of that and and recognized that I had developed, you know, what would what I now know as an eating disorder, I had no idea at the time. It was only looking back on those behaviors that I was able to recognize that. Um, fitness was, I always managed to keep it a consistent because it is something that I've always enjoyed. And I was absolutely determined to keep it as a, you know, as a consistent in my life and as a tool to use to make me feel better. So, yeah, fitness was one of the things that like got me into a dark place. And then it was a thing that got me out of a dark place. And um, I, I moved cities to uh, live with my now husband, Matt. And when I came down here, I was going to apply for some teaching jobs. And then I was like, I don't know if I really want to do that. It's um, the work-life balance is not very good, but I would quite like to be a personal trainer. And he was really supportive. And he was like, yeah, if that's what you want to do get the the qualification done and and go from there so yeah that's it it was it was quite a smooth transition from one to the other stop teaching to move cities and then when I got to a new place I was like well there's nothing there's nothing forcing me going into teaching right now and especially because we just moved cities and I had um, Madison who was five at the time so my my eldest daughter um having a job that was more flexible than teaching to help her settle into a new place because we just moved three hours from home for where we'd been living um was also something that I needed in a job and being self-employed can give you that um so yeah it just it seemed to tick a lot of boxes at the time so when I was doing my personal training certificate I always knew that I was going to be a little bit different with my approach to fitness because of the experiences that I'd been through myself. So I'd already I'd already set that up in my mind. I knew that things were going to be different when I worked with clients. Um, I wasn't completely sure how because I'd never worked with clients before in a in as a personal trainer. But yeah, it it soon sort of unfolded um, as I as I got clients and as I worked with people that just started to really take shape I think and can I ask how like how is it going with your own eating disorder then like do you see yourself as being recovered now do you- I I definitely am with food I thought that my relationship with exercise because I I had exercise bulimia as well so like that constant urge to work out in order to earn the food that you'd eaten or burn the food that you'd eaten um I thought that I'd got to a really good place with that, but it was actually the start of the pandemic here in the UK um, when when I suddenly couldn't move as much as I was used to, I had a little bit of a of a wobble. So I realized that my good relationship with exercise was actually dependent on me being able to do it all the time 
because it had beca- I'd made it part of my job. I'd made sure that it was going to be a consistent. So as soon as the gyms closed and we were sort of limited to like that one walk a day, <laughs> it just seems so bizarre to say now, doesn't it? You're only allowed one walk a day. Like it's so weird. But when that happened, I I started to have a little bit of wobble. I, I still had a Fitbit, which I just use mainly as a, a watch um, because it, you know, if it's not broke, don't need to throw it away. But it, the step count was just something I thought I was over. It was completely winding me up, so I had to throw it in the bin. Um, I just, I just went over to the bin, unhooked it, chucked it in, um, and then used that time to then start to really do a bit more work towards that and, you know, and read more around like, um, you know movement how it all counts all of those sorts of things instead the fact that health is a lot more you know is broader than the sum of your behaviors anyway so I had to really go back and revisit those things um but then that being in that forced into that situation definitely helped because now I feel like both those things are sorted and fine um and that was I mean, the, the depths of all that we're talking now, maybe five or six years ago when they were at their worst. So I've had a long time. and It does take a long time. I think sometimes when like when clients come to me and they they say that they hate exercise, but they want to do it, they're expecting maybe a few weeks of, of coaching and for them to feel OK. And it's like, oh, no, it's, <laughs> this stuff takes and it can take years um, depending on on where you are at. So. Yeah, it does take a really long time. Absolutely, it does. It takes it takes a, an awful long time, more than people think it's going to take. But what I will say is the sooner you get help, the shorter it will take. Thank you for being so honest about that, about how like it was just two years ago that you were still having wobbles yourself. You were still struggling in some yeah. way. And it felt really, um, it, it was a huge blow to the the ego because I was somebody who was putting content out online about, you know, all movement counts. And I was putting that informa- information out there. But then when that wobble happened to me, I was like, oh, my God, I don't, I, I'm not even living the message that I am portraying. And it, it's a message that I believe, I wholeheartedly believed in. But I myself wasn't there yet. I just didn't know because until circumstances change and you're, if, if you're not being challenged in that scenario enough, then how how do you know that you're fully recovered? But it, it was the, cha- the dramatic change in circumstances which sort of poked holes in how well I'd sort of patched things up um, because that's what I'd done. I'd patched things up. I hadn't fully, you know, I'd taken the time to rebuild that and and it, it took the pandemic to reveal that and and help me get to the, the place that I am now where I have I have full days where I stay at home and, and do nothing, despite the fact that I have I'm lucky enough to have a, my own gym space in my house. Can't get any more convenient than that. But I do have days where I, I don't do anything and it doesn't now it doesn't even enter my brain. Um, and like we'll go on a day out as a family and before I would be like, right, we need to walk a bit now, we need to walk a bit now, where where are we eating, like what what will the food be like and now those things just don't even enter my brain at all. So it has been, it's been a, a huge amount of progress even just in the last two years just because of those circumstances changing. You, you've been thrown into that experience of the gym been taken away when you, when the pandemic first started. 
Tell me a bit about training to be a PT. I'm very intrigued because I work, I have worked with, with a couple of clients who have been PTs themselves. It seems like the training is heavily rooted in, it's all about how you look. And I think even one, one PT said to me, one of my clients said to me that my body is supposed to be my CV. <laughs> Yeah, it's, that is a, quite a problematic narrative. So here in the UK, um, personal training is one of the most unregulated industries. And I think it is in other countries as well. But in terms of the qualifications, we have a, a, a governing body called Simspa who set the standards for, um, I think they're, they're classed as like leisure um, qualifications. So level two fitness instructor, level three personal trainer, um, group exercise instructor, all of those things that are like level two, level three, um, and they're they're not done in like traditional like sort of classroom based learning. Most of them are done online. Um, the there's no entry level requirements for those courses either. It's just you have to just I think you have to be 18 or something to to do them. I'm not quite sure on that. But Simpsper sets the standards of what has to be included in a personal training qualification now they themselves don't uh, don't do the qualification um it's it's uh, like i suppose businesses who then provide the qualification and they can provide um they can add on as many things to that course as they want to as long as they still tick the boxes that simspa have uh, provided so that means you've got courses that really dr drastically range in the topics that they covered. Now, I feel like I was quite lucky with the one I did, um, still hugely full of not just misinformation, but very outdated information about health and, and other things to do with fitness. But you can see why, because they're basic qualifications. They're they're cheap. They're not supposed to be in detail because they're just equipping you with the knowledge that you need to make someone fit. That is that is the sole purpose of these qualifications. So they don't need to be really in depth. It's just with I think with fitness, there's a lot of pressure on people who work in the fitness industry to be so much more than just somebody who helps someone be fit when really that if you strip everything back that is actually the crux of your job you're helping to some, someone to exercise um, and where that gets then complicated is is how popular weight loss is so a lot of the courses are very weight centric whereas when you look at the um active iq and simspa um, manuals for the personal training qualifications they don't mention weight that much or weight loss they mention weight management and they they do mention lifestyle diseases but they don't go into much detail on either of those things because it's not really supposed to be in the scope of practice of a PT you just help somebody use equipment in the gym get fit get strong whatever their goals are but it is the weight loss goal that makes those courses more complicated by the people who are providing them so I know um, mine was pretty straightforward, but I know other personal trainers who have done um, level two, level three courses, and they've had to make posters about obesity. And it's like, that's not in, that's not actually in the, the curriculum standards that's been set by Simpsburg and the, the other awarding bodies. That's something that the course provider 
feels is important. So they're they're bringing their you know very weight centric almost bias opinion to their course and saying, I think all personal trainers should have this information or should do this. So people just adding things in that aren't really that relevant. So I think that's, that's it's a huge problem with the education of personal trainers that then makes the industry as it is. But like I say, I was really lucky with my course there wasn't really any of that. It was, you know, this is what nutritional guidance looks like. This is what somebody's, um, this is what aerobic fitness looks like. This is what weight training looks like. This is how you work with um, somebody one-to-one. This is how you coach them. And it was all very practical and straightforward, basic, but not overly focused on people's weight other people on the course were so on uh, it was all done online and there were these sort of like group um lectures where people could answer questions and there was a lot of people who you could tell were already very ingrained in that sort in that approach and this this idea that if somebody um isn't losing weight they're lying about what they're eating or you know lots of lots of things like that so yeah it's um the the education of PTs is very unregulated and that's a huge problem. I'm surprised to hear that weight isn't a big part of your training because I don't know any PTs except for for you and you've come through your own journey who who don't focus on weight. I, I, I honestly thought that when you train to be a PT that Weight, weight loss must be in the foundation of your training. Yeah. And I think in a lot of courses it is. It just wasn't in mine. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that we're up against as well is there's a lot of um, personal training, like business gurus almost, who have had really – they've had successful personal training careers themselves. And now they position themselves as like a business coach – for other personal trainers and we've got some big um, personalities when it comes to that um, here in the UK especially and they're the sorts of people that are then going to try and um, sell you their business coaching as you're a newly qualified PT and and that's where those then more weight-centric messages are going to come from for new PTs for you know quite young or impressionable people who just want to fit in and do what everyone else is doing because again there is this immense pressure I mean in the gym that I worked in my sort of profile very clearly stated that weight loss was not my thing but I'd still get email um, emails from people inquiring about PT and the first line of the email would be like so I want to lose x amount of weight <laughs> and then it would it would start with that so there's something that's um there's a huge pressure on pts that if they're not going to offer weight loss that they might not get any business because that is what everybody wants and that's what and it's not just what everybody wants it's what they're made to think that they should want mm-hmm. and a lot of the time when you dig a bit deeper that you find out that people's goals have actually got nothing to do with their weight when you actually, if if you just start asking questions and start digging a little bit, so many people's goals are just are so far detached from their body size. It, you'll get to the bottom and it'll be like, well, I just really, um, 
you know, want to feel good when I run around with my kids. And it's like, well, it does <laughs> your body actually doesn't matter then. It's like we can work on your fitness levels because mm-hmm. that's something that I can do. That's 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 my job. Yay. I'm qualified <laughs> for that. Um but because they I think some people expect a PT wants to hear that as well. They just go in with that straight away. Like, I want to lose X amount of weight because they're just used to that being the thing. And it's not until we start having deeper, broader conversations about health and going a bit further that we can then unpick some of that for some clients. But yeah, I was very always very clear that um, I, I focus on strength, fitness. I think everybody can have a fit body. I don't think anybody um, needs to necessarily lose weight in order to be healthy that was all written on this bio and I would still get people email me and their first line would would say how much weight they wanted to lose we're not criticizing the people for this no no it's not at all we understand that everybody (laughs) wants to lose weight and I say this to all of my clients when they start working with me it's okay to want to lose weight all of my clients want to lose weight on some level yeah and when you start to talk to people more about how like weight loss is not bad it just it sometimes it happens but then sometimes it doesn't so you've you've got to see it as that completely neutral side effect in your behavior change for your behavior change to really work because if you're pinning everything on weight loss and then it doesn't happen where does that leave you you're either you're either throwing in the towel and not doing any of the things that you want to do like you're you're not going to get fitter you're not going to get stronger or you're reverting to more extreme methods to make that happen and neither of those things are good they're they're two sides of a coin they're they're two extremes so it's like finding that middle ground and meeting people and and them meeting themselves where they're at to just really see that as just something that sometimes happens when you change your behaviors, the same as weight gain can sometimes happen when you change your behaviors. And that's not always a good or bad thing. It's just, it just happens. What would you say to PT, someone just like you, who's a PT, but believes that their body needs to be their CV? I mean, that that is a a very popular narrative that you see all over Instagram. I'm, I'm sure it's on other socials, but I'm one of those people. I can only do one social media. So like Same. I've got, I've got Instagram and that is it. I tried Twitter. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get on with it. I've never put, dipped my toe into TikTok ever. <laughs> Just can't, I can't do it, but I'm sure it's everywhere. Um, I think I would really challenge you only have to work with members of the public for a little while to see that fit and strong people come in all shapes and sizes. Like some of my clients who are in bigger bodies are so much fitter and stronger than I am um, and absolutely smash their workouts, like their um, their sort of organization with their eating when they're busy with work is like second to none. Like they put me to shame and I am the fitness professional. So you only have to work with real people in a gym to see that, you know, weight loss is not this be all and end all of people being fit and strong and and reaching the goals that they have. So if you're then putting that onto yourself, I think you've got to think really critically about what message that gives to other people. Is that an inviting message if you believe that you have to look a certain way to be good at your job? 
Um, and that's a, a huge problem in, in the fitness industry. We've got this like hierarchy of evidence where, you know, a six pack seems to sit above like the best peer reviewed research on things. Uh, so it, all your, if you're thinking in terms of my body is my business card, I've got to look a certain way. You're just contributing to that misinformation that looking a certain way directly correlates, um, correlates with how much you know when it doesn't. So do you want to contribute to that narrative or do you want to try and challenge that and focus on, you know, the experience that you give your clients or how you make them feel? And these are all things that we do with who we are, not what we look like. Being a dietitian, we have the same problem. You think that you have to look a certain way to be a good dietitian. Do you think in reality, though, it's it's hard for PTs to accept that their body doesn't have to look a certain way? Absolutely. And it's it's really difficult because I think six years ago when I was in the absolute depths of my, you know, eating as little as possible, exercising as much as possible, if somebody had said to me, what you're doing is wrong, I would have really doubled down and been like, no, you're wrong, because that is that defensiveness that, you know, when you're really invested in what you're doing, if someone challenges that, it can, you know, it can really just make things feel uh, unsteady and that's not a nice feeling. So the reaction is to double down on your beliefs and crack on. So it is really difficult to open these conversations with other personal trainers, but there's, there is a lot of really um, big accounts. Um, Ben Carpenter is one. He was, um, he talks openly as a male about his eating disorder that he had um, as when, as he was trying to be the leanest, most muscly person ever. So um, you've got Katie Crew with over a million followers. She was a bodybuilder. She now talks about how she felt her worst when she was doing bodybuilding. So there are really big accounts in fitness who are looked up to by a lot of people who are starting to have this conversation. Same with um, uh, Ben Carpenter's wife, who more people might know, um, Sophie Lee Fit is her handle on Instagram, Sophie Lee. She's she's a huge fitness account and she's now starting to talk about things like weight stigma and disordered eating. So things are slowly turning. Um, but of course, with that, with more big accounts that are speaking out about disordered eating and weight stigma and things like that, you've then got the very heavily um, weight-centric accounts that then feel like they've got to shout even louder about what they're doing and this is this is why over the past few years I've tried not to identify with a certain label to label what I do as a personal trainer because I've just seen that having a label next to your name like anti-diet or and you know these are all think all spaces that I think are are totally necessary and when somebody's coming um, out of an eating disorder looking for that label can really help them because they know that they're going to enter a space that is going to provide what they need but those labels also cause a lot of conflict online and you're unlikely to get someone to listen to you if you have a label in your bio or in your name that somebody else has already decided is wrong so a lot of weight-centric PTs really just snub their noses at things like intuitive eating, anti-diet, um, non-diet approaches. And as soon as they hear those words, they're going to double down or, or just completely switch off. So 
I I, don't, I think those spaces and those labels are completely valid. But I came away from those because I was like, I want to create a space where more thinking happens and we exist in more of like the grotty little gray area in the middle um, and actually can have really good conversations. And I belong to a group of trainers who use, use research to underpin their practice. And the absolute gold standard in personal training is just to treat each client as an individual and not put anything onto them. So although anti-diet accounts and all that sort of helped me get out of my eating disorder and where I was, it doesn't mean that that will help everybody. So existing in that little gray area really works for having more nuanced conversations and, and you know, I'm completely, um, I, I tell my clients, I'm not qualified to help them lose weight anyway, because unless I'm not a surgeon and... Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm also when I look at the research the research doesn't bode well for people losing weight. So research underpins my practice on that. Like this as actually and I'm not a dietitian so I can't make dietary suggestions for that. I'm actually not qualified to help somebody lose weight even if I wanted to do that. I really applaud you for that. I often find that I'm picking up the pieces after people working with like the likes of PTs who who didn't stay in their lane and and and, and promoted these crazy diet plans like keto or intermittent fasting and they had absolutely no place to do that because they didn't have the qualifications and they ended up doing more harm than good and I'm sure you'll agree that the most important thing is that you don't do harm to your clients exactly. right like that's what we're all working towards and I think it exists on both sides I I see PTs who are very much like me and share very similar values and and a very similar approach they claim to offer um like emotional eating support which is which is psychology like you you either need to be talking to a dietitian who is qualified in eating disorders or a psychologist like a personal trainer is not equipped with the knowledge to deal with emotional eating like I can signpost to accounts that I trust and to professionals that I trust. I can even take the the tips that they've got on their website and say to my client, well, these are some tips from this professional who I trust, but they're not my tips. Any information I give you is anecdotal, um, which I always say, if I'm, if I'm talking about something from my own experience, I will say, this is anecdotal, but you might find it useful and just being really clear on where that information comes from. But yeah, I see a lot of personal trainers, very similar to me. They're offering um, binge eating support, emotional eating support. Um, they, they say that they got an intuitive eating course and all of this. And again, this, I'm not always sure if they're qualified for that. And that can then cause more harm than good because eating disorders are very complicated and dynamic and it's not really something happy to talk about my clients experiences with those things and let them offload and talk about the things that they've tried but I can't offer specific advice on that because it's really just not in my scope it's such a delicate area and because it has got that psychological element so entwined in it it's just not my area but it exists on both sides so you've got your your weight loss PTs you know promoting keto and all that but it can be just as damaging for um you know weight normative pts to be offering eating advice themselves it's it's a real um so it's a real gray area on both sides i think 
honestly, as someone who works with people with eating disorders, it is such a complicated area. You are amazing at what you do with your clients, though. And I, I know that you recently moved into working with people who are pregnant and um, the perinatal period. What, what brought about that shift? So I think because I recently acquired the tools, um, again, through my professional development, the mentors that I have, um, the group of trainers that I belong to, then I was given the tools to delve into research. So we're, we're talking, you know, not going on Google and typing things in, like a lot of people seem to think that doing their own research is like actually going on PubMed, um, reading research papers, vetting research papers, um, using that hierarchy of evidence to make sure that you are getting the best possible evidence, reading for your bias, against your bias, and just collecting a body of evidence on a topic so that you can then make the best decisions for your client or give the advice to the, the best current research because I just acquired those skills and then I was thinking I could really use this to create some um, content on Instagram about not just my pregnancy journey but like the misinformation that there is online in the pre and postnatal space because there is a lot <laughs> of misinformation when it comes to uh, pre and postnatal fitness what pregnancy does for your body what you have to do after pregnancy um, in order to rehab things there's so much misinformation out there and again these accounts online online are usually the biggest accounts with the most followers and some of the posts after you read the research some of the posts just make you cringe because you're going oh it's so untrue <laughs> how can this how can this be happening um it really it and it's it's in every corner and it's the the the, the pre and postnatal fitness space is like obsessed with um rehabbing the core and i think this this is just branched off as another way to like focus in on someone's body because it's not it's not always very um, PC to suggest that pregnant people lose weight or need to watch their weight. Like it's just not, it's not sort of um, something that is accepted when someone's pregnant. I think this focus on like core rehab, core strength, doing this, doing that, the other is a way that they've then been able, like to shift the focus because they can't attack them with weight loss uh, so much during pregnancy. They're then attacked with all this other stuff that is not true instead, but it still very dominantly focuses on the body and it, it being destroyed by pregnancy and all these things that are just simply not true. And I know that, um, if somebody exists in a in a, a higher weight, weight is sometimes a topic of conversation um, during their pregnancy, which is completely wrong as well. So I just wanted to make because I don't want to say that nobody is suggested to you know watch their watch their weight during pregnancy because I know that for people in larger bodies that can happen, but it's it's a delicate area when you're pregnant because your body has got to be looked after as much as possible. Um, so there's all this stuff about the core and weak muscles and tight muscles, and it's just another way to try and try and get at people. Um, so when my, my mentor, um, John, he said, Do you know, you should, some of the stuff that you would have done on your pre and postnatal is not supported by any evidence. And he just like flicked this switch in me that was like, I need to go and look into all of this stuff because how fascinating that so many of the things that um, surround pregnant fitness and postnatal fitness are just not true. 
like how that's actually really fascinating but also very scary as well um and it will it there's a lot of a lot of people will be um wasting their time focusing on exercises and doing things that can't actually do what is being claimed so it, that was sort of the the motivation to go and research all these things in this this being hopefully my last ever pregnancy I don't think I want to do this again <laughs> um third child on the way and that also then helped us develop a part of um so I run a fitness community with another trainer we developed a part of the fitness community that was for pre and postnatal and has that information on it so I've used the research that I've done to develop content to help people navigating um fitness during their pregnancy and after just so, again so they can avoid misinformation and it is it's just that another branch of diet culture like how can we make you think that your body has got something wrong with it and then we'll sell you the solution that we made up <laughs> it's it's just part of that equation just dressed up differently every pre and postnatal account that is like popular on instagram they've just got it's just core workouts like this idea that your core is just ruined somehow and can't do anything and it's like it's when you start explaining to people like why that doesn't actually work in practice like it's just like little light bulbs switching on for them going oh yeah like if your core wasn't working you would know about it <laughs> you would be in serious trouble if your core was not working how it should and then there's all these really undefined terms that are just they're not supported by research so there's a lot of talk of like the deep core how to activate the deep core there isn't there's no such thing as a deep core the, this deep core hasn't been defined by any research um your core doesn't work in isolation there's no muscles in there that you are not using because you're doing something wrong and that's what, that's what's being made out like you need to activate your deep core and like the more you say it and the more you dig into it when especially when you know how muscles work and how functions in the body work you're going yeah that's so stupid <laughs> i can't believe that for years like, i just accepted that as a thing just because somebody has said it and that's just been accepted um and it's usually again it's the the gurus and the experts in the fitness industry that say you know i've been working with clients for 40 plus years well if you've been working for 40 plus year with years with misinformation you've been doing it wrong for 40 years like and but that's what that's the level of expert that we have is a lot of the time um it's very out, outdated um but then they've brought that with them on the guise of i'm an expert because i've been doing it for this long but you're you're just an expert in the wrong thing <laughs> you've just been repeating the same incorrect message inaccurate yeah. messages over and over again this has been so eye opening for me if i'm being truly honest i didn't realize there is a body of evidence for pt i thought so it was have, all just it's it's really difficult because you have to have the right question to search so when you're on pubmed or google scholar you have to know what you're looking for but in terms of um and you can you can do a put a search in and it come up with nothing change your words slightly and you've got 100 papers so you've yeah it's it, and there's a lot on skill development there's a lot on pain and injury um a lot there's so much sports science sort of kind of research to read so there there is a lot out there that is useful to personal trainers it's just 
at first every client is like researching for a PhD because they're so individual. They might have a an injury in their knee um, and a, a pain in their shoulder. So that's like over a hundred papers for you to read to try and get the best advice for that client. But the more clients you have, people have very similar experiences. So once you've read on a topic, you can then deliver that to other people as well because you've you've just built up that knowledge bank. But yeah, to begin with, it is it's like doing a dissertation for each <laughs> for each client, and it's a lot of work, but it does get easier, and it is worth it because it's not me saying this is what I think, or this is my opinion. It's, this is what current research is saying about this thing. Um, so it's, you're giving completely factual, impartial advice, and you're not putting anything from yourself onto your client, which again, I think ex-bodybuilders probably make the worst personal trainers because they're, I mean, that's probably mean to say, but if they're bringing their ex-bodybuilding knowledge and the things they went through to every single client, even to the clients that are not interested in bodybuilding, that's when you're then just at risk of they're going to be putting their bias onto their client. They're going to be advising bulking and cutting, which is like something that people just don't need to do. Um, and most, most problematic behaviors in fitness are just a hangover from bodybuilding and it's it's quite funny most people don't need to bulk and cut it's completely unnecessary like if you're not interested in bodybuilding most of those things become irrelevant straight away so i mean if you are into bodybuilding that's cool but Our most people aren't. have been so enlightening in many ways i didn't realize that personal training could be an evidence-based practice and that's that's what you're saying like that your practice is based on evidence from the research and if anyone's listened to my podcast before like you'll know that I am so I'm so evidence-based that it hurts you know I I will say to to anybody like in my personal circle as well as people listening to this podcast please choose your practitioners based on their 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 use of evidence if they are evidence-based practitioners and like for me being a registered dietitian like I am registered by several professional bodies like I have to be evidence-based if I promote anything that's that's not rooted in in evidence then I could literally be struck off and not be able to practice again and this really brings us nicely back to the beginning of our conversation where you said that PTs are the most unregulated field this is a way that it can become regulated by promoting that evidence-based practice that to, to be a PT, you have to know the research because you're doing harm. Otherwise you're doing harm to clients. If you're just taking tips off Instagram, if you're just, you know, and I, I've seen nutrition professionals who are not dietitians take just tips off Instagram and promote it to clients and do harm. So it's the same for PTs, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. They without question, take the opinion often anecdotal, um, often a fallacy from someone they look up to in the fitness industry and they regurgitate that as their word, as their advice. So that misinformation is just handed down repeatedly, repeatedly to um, to their clients, to other professionals that look up to them. I mean, I've had some very unpleasant conversations with other PTs in my DMs um, I mean, I would, I would have thought those unpleasant conversations would have come when I started like challenging that weight loss wasn't, you know, the best goal for everybody. But the biggest challenge is me being, is me saying like, um, postnatally, you don't need to focus on 
mat-based core exercises like so many pts who have done pre and postnatal certificates who have been told otherwise have been like oh no i don't agree with you on that and i'm like well you were you were very open to this conversation of like health is not what we've been you know it's, it's sold as to us for our lifetime so why would you not entertain a conversation about challenging this like what's the difference so you've been open-minded about one thing but you're you're not open-minded and I think sometimes it was a you know who do I think I am sort of uh, (laughs) um, scenario because I'm I'm not an expert Um, I might can be considered one one day I am going to be writing my own pre and postnatal enhanced course um, with the help of my tutor John when when I've finished researching all of these topics, because I think it'd be a real shame to waste that information and not share it with other PTs who are interested in doing the best possible job for their clients. But when I've said things like, because um, breathing exercises are very popular in the sort of pre and postnatal space. And it's again, it's like that thing about the deep core, activate the deep core with a proper breath. Um, it's, it's totally um, what they claim that it can do is is not supported by any research, so we can't say it. And I'm, but it's not me saying that breathing exercises are irrelevant. It's just until you've got the client in front of you, you don't know where to start them. But you can't make a post saying everyone should do breathing exercises when they've had a baby because that's not true. You don't know what your client needs until you know what their goals are until they're in front of you. I might start a a client off on breathing exercises if after meeting with them and questioning them, I sense that they've got an immense fear around movement, which can develop after you've had like a, especially after like a C-section, there can be that real protective um, energy over over the body, not wanting to move the core too much. I might start them with breathing exercises, but it's just the what is claimed online that breathing exercises can do is often not true. And that that was what um, a lot of people butted heads with me over recently. And I had a few unfollows from people, which is a shame because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this research, so you don't have to. And you can, you can then come and, and talk to me about it. And I'm happy to share the research because you have to read a lot of terrible research papers, as I'm sure you'll know, Mm -hmm. before you find really good ones as well. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of like dead time with reading research. And it's like, I'm happy to share the research that I've done with you for you to read and find out for yourself. But there've been a lot of people have been very closed off to it because it directly goes against, I mean, I understand if they've just paid for a pre and postnatal certificate and I'm telling them that it's wrong (laughs) it's not nice to hear but we should always be open to like not not what I'm not taking my word for it not what I'm saying just this is what the research says so you should be interested in that it seems so silly that they unfollow and they you know don't because they don't agree with you this is all up for professional debate I think people listening to, to my podcast will be so interested in your work because they know that I'm very evidence, evidence-led. So if you are looking for a PT to anybody who's listening, like go and follow Amy, who, who has the same, the same outlook on, on her work that she does. Where can people find you and what are you up to next? What's, what's going on in, in your world? 
So although I'm due to go on maternity leave in about a month, I haven't actually set a date yet because I'm just <laughs> very unorganized with that sort of thing. I'm due to go on maternity leave, but I'm still going to be around on Instagram. Uh, I run a fitness community with another trainer called Michael, who's brilliant as well. We've got very similar approaches. His thing is um, busting nutrition myths mostly. And then obviously my main thing is busting fitness myths. So together we make quite a good team covering all bases. So we are launching a new app and that's just going to be a, a place where if you just want to get fitness and you know nutrition information, obviously within our scope of practice, that does not have that side helping of diet culture does not have that you know hidden weight loss talk is not like pretend you know we're saying that we're not diet culture but then we're actually a diet in disguise there's going to be there's just none of that in on this app so it'll be a space for your um, fitness journey and and there was going to be lots of blogs and articles uh, again just covering different topics and and hopefully help people um, steer well clear of misinformation online. That's launching on Saturday. That's a really good way to work with two PTs because there is a chat feature. You'll get like a direct link to me or Michael, depending on who's like manning the the web browser at the time. Uh, so that's really exciting. That's a, a way that you can access my work even when I'm on maternity leave. But maternity leave is also going to be at the time when I'm going to be meeting weekly to start writing this course which is um, because my husband's going to be off for a few weeks I will be able to escape for a couple of hours here and there to get on with some work <laughs> whilst I'm off um, because a lot of, of preparation will need to go into that and it just it feels like the best time to do it so I'll be leaving my husband with <laughs> the two-year-old and the newborn baby a couple of times a week just to get my head down and do some reading I've got like a hundred papers in my reading list that I need to get through and and pull the info out of best of luck with the upcoming project I have, to, say, so you have to also take care of yourself yes having a new baby you're obviously incredibly dedicated but you know you have to look after you too I yeah, finish I'm all my podcast episodes by saying take care of yourself yeah. to my listeners so I'm saying take care of yourself now So there you have it. As Amy summed up really nicely, you don't have to be in a thin body to seek fitness. You don't have to always be striving for weight loss to be fit. Let me know what you thought about today's episode and I'll pass it on to Amy. Please email me joe at antidietanswers.com. And if you are ready to smash your binge eating, check out my program. The link is in the show notes and I can't wait to see you this Thursday where we will meet together over Zoom and really get to grips with managing binge eating throughout the winter months. Head now to that link, head now, check it out and sign up and I'll be right with you for the next six months. All right, I will see you there. Until then, please take care of yourself. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice and it does not constitute a provider-patient relationship. <laughs>